Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of the Board Game Mechanics. I'm Katie, and with me, as always, is... Hey, guys, what's going on? It is Jason. We have entered September. Um, Those of you in the States, I hope that you had a great Labor Day this past week. We celebrated birthdays at our house on Labor Day because, consequently, I went into labor on Labor Day at one point (laughs) with our oldest daughter. And Jason was also born quite close to Labor Day, so we had double birthdays. Yeah, I had a I had a bluey birthday party. Yeah, he was really excited about it, but Alethea got all the bluey toys. Yeah, but jokes on her though. I got to play the game. That's true. So if you're interested in bluey, be sure to check out our YouTube channel for Jason's latest review of the <laughs> Bluey Shadowlands game. <laughs> yeah, it's not a great game, but it's fun. Spoilers. Also, if you don't know anything about Bluey, you obviously don't have small children, or you're not as up to date on your Australian children's shows about dogs that are on Disney+. Plus. If you don't know Bluey, I'm just going to say it. You're just not cool and hip. That's all <laughs> there is to it. Yeah. But really, um, if you have children and you haven't heard it, check it out on Disney+, Plus because it's a show definitely written by other parents, because some of the stuff the parents do and say, I'm like, yes, they actually get it. <laughs> That's true. It's uh, it, it hits home. It hits home. That is for sure. Yeah. Because not only did Jason and I have double birthdays this weekend, but we also tore the front porch off our house um, by ourselves. Yeah, I don't know why we thought that was a good idea. Because it was falling apart and we were putting people in danger who can visit us. Uh, okay, fine. I mean, it's no longer quite the adventure it was to come to our front door. So, Sorry. Yeah, but that that first step step is a doozy, though. Just a little bit. That's nothing too bad. But yeah, less adventure to get into our house. But we used our mighty strength to rip it apart, and we are still suffering for it (laughs) days later. Yeah, it it was rough. So we did physical labor on Labor Day, which is so unlike us. It's like we don't even know who we are anymore. I mean, it's not just Labor Day. It's like unlike me on all days. Well, that's true, but I just meant we decided the one time we do physical labor, it was on Labor Day. That's true. It it just seemed apropos. Yeah. All right. Enough random banter. I want to talk about news. Uh, You know, I like to Kickstarter. Um, My correspondent in the field did a pretty good job because the two things I'm talking about came from him. Thanks, Mike. The other thing he sent to me actually canceled. The project canceled. So um, that's out. So I only have two for you today. I was looking out there. There are a lot of um, like combat card games out there right now that, you know, I just am not interested in. (laughs) So I'm not going to talk about them because it's my show and I do what I want. Just kidding. But the first game I want to talk about is really interesting to me, and it's called Wild Serengeti. Um, and this is by Bad Comet. I don't. They, I mean, maybe they've done other stuff that I know about, but probably not. Um, yeah, they did a game called Shalia, but I don't know what it is. I just know that they did that game. Hmm, okay. Um, but they're, they're out of Korea, it looks like, which I think is cool. Um, so in this game, I think the theme is really cool. You are um, like wildlife documentary teams. And so you're going to the Serengeti to get particular shots of the different animals. And why is that so interesting? Because the animals are these meeples that are shaped and painted like the animals. Hello. I love it. We got to get this so I can win the game. 
I know. I would just put, because also they have this little stand that looks like Pride Rock, kind of. So I'd be doing the whole Lion King. Like, that's it. Like, I would not play this game. When I first saw this, I thought this was a Lion King game just without the IP, because that's what that rock reminded me of. It did look like that. It does. And you've got, like, um, Zazu, like that same bird. There is a lion. There's elephants. There's giraffes. There's a vulture. There's a crocodile, a cheetah, rhino, wildebeest, zebra, hyena, etc. Um, which, hippo. So that's really cool. There's this map then um, that's where these animals are placed and they also are moving around. And then you're also able to move them or discover them as well. And it's you're trying to get them set up in a certain array to match your scene cards because you're out there trying to get these scenes um, done, shot for your documentary. I just, I like that. So there's like some puzzle solving to get things where they need to be. There's some set collection and engine building um, as you're kind of placing these animals and these cards are coming out. I was trying to think, is it, wait a minute. Oh, there is a co-op mode. I was like, this is not co-op. And there's also solo mode, which I was even reading through and it mentioned that um, the solo mode is actually a little bit more difficult. It's a little bit more puzzly which I thought was really interesting. Um, so, like, the rules look fairly simple about placing and moving animals, you know, discovering them and completing your scene cards. Um, and then once you get the scene cards completed, they actually, like, um, give you, like, new icons and awards that you can kind of put together to get, like, your points. And um, the environment changes, uh, animals move and change. And there's these specialist cards that give you power. That, those are the ones that give you um, player powers. So all of those things sound great. Uh, of course, I love little animal meeples. I love player powers. Um, I love pretty things. So if you're interested in those things like me, check out Wild Serengeti. It has just six days left on Kickstarter. And the only pledge is $52. So there's not even a deluxe one that you have to shell out the extra money for just for a modest price of $52. You're getting all the stretch goals and all those awesome little animal meeples. That's actually a pretty solid price. I mean, legit, right? That's that pride rock piece and the meeples on their own probably is, you know, around 30 ish bucks. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It, it, it looks good. I, I, I need to watch something on the gameplay. Cause I, I got distracted by I pulled a U and got distracted by the cool bits and stuff. <laughs> so I don't really know how the game works, but I mean, it seems like it's doing pretty well on Kickstarter. So I'm going to have to check it out a little bit. Yeah, looks good. Uh, my next game is less on the components, but still looks like an interesting game. It's kind of a spin on a classic game of blackjack. And that game is called The Split. This is by Wayfinder Games. I'm sure they've done more things. I don't know what they are. And no one is surprised by that. Yeah, I have no idea. Never heard of them. When it's like they always say, like the person who creates it, like oh, they'll say how many um, Kickstarter things they've created. So I'm always like, oh, if they have other ones, and you know, they've made other games. Um, Keep running of mice and lemmings, fox and chicken, frog flip. Okay, so no. Yeah, never heard of any of that. Do they all have animals in the title? I guess his name is Michael Fox, which cracks me up. But I don't think he's Michael J. He's from Belfast. Belfast. 
<laughs> I'm assuming that's not Michael J. Fox. <laughs> it doesn't look like him. But so in this game, the idea is the name, the split, which I feel felt like was really deceiving. Oh, Mega City Oceana holding on the troubled life of Billy Kerr. It's right there in the list. Apparently award winning. Good job, Michael Fox. I have heard of those. Yes. Okay. There you go. I haven't. Um, anyway, but the split, it's for three to six players, which makes it kind of an unsure buy for me because when we can't play it at two, that really limits when we can play it. But um, we usually have people over, so three is not a deal breaker. And the fact that it goes up to six is nice. So in the split, the idea is that you, you and your crew have pulled off a big heist, but instead of the boss doing the right thing, and like giving out the spoils, you know, either evenly or by merit or seniority or number of tattoos you have. Instead, um, he has you play this game, this modified version of Blackjack. So you've got your heist cards and the artwork on them is really pretty cool. It's just like um, kind of campy look. And they've got like, you know, cash and paintings and gold bars and microfish and gems. So those are all things you can get. There's also disguises in the loot cards. So you're going to basically play it around a blackjack. So you've got a hand of regular playing cards. You also get some cheat cards that allow you to kind of change the rules, like where you can maybe swap one of your cards with another player's or where you can add a plus one or a plus two or to give you like a negative two or three, um, or to discard one of your cards. So that always keeps it um, kind of up in the air. So with blackjack, you're used to seeing some of the cards, you can kind of tell what someone might have. At the end of the play of getting your actual playing cards, everyone can play a cheat card if they want to. So then you're like, oh, is that gonna put the back in the running? Is it going to take something from me? You don't really know. And so then you, whoever wins the hand is the first. If you bust, you don't get any loot at all from the hand. But if you win, you get to draft first what loot you want. And only one, like there's, you, there are, why can't I have trouble saying this? There are only a certain number of loot stacks available, and it's always one less than the number of players. Now, chances are people are going to bust, and so everyone who's left in might get something, or multiple people bust, and some are left over, in which case more loot is then added to that particular pot for the next round. Um, the disguises are also something that are going to come in those loot things, and you need to disguise in order to be able to win because you have to put on your disguise to, to get out with your loot. And so I like that kind of little thing. You can only have one disguise before you go into like the final, like um, tallying round of points. So other people have the opportunity to try to buy your extra disguise cards off of you. If you happen to get more than one. So the amount of loot and what people have is like, changing a lot it's kind of up in the air um, because loot cars could be disguised cars and you could try and pay someone to get theirs also there's some set collection um microfiche the more that you have or whoever has the most gets a certain amount and the second most gets a certain amount paid out for it paintings are kind of a cumulative 
um, value. So it's just a really neat kind of spin on blackjack, which I happen to enjoy. So if you like classic art games, if you like heist and like funky artwork, check out the split. There's five days left. It's 21 bucks. Yeah, that sounds really interesting and really weird. And I still have no idea what it is. So, uh, yeah, I'm going to go check that out. I like cool card games like that. Yeah, I do too. I Because I grew up playing cards. Um, and so while I like, to, I, I like to play classic card games still, I, it's nice when I think designers and publishers take classic card game, not to just redo it, because sometimes that does happen. You're like, oh, this is just, you know, canasta. Or this is just go fish. But to take it and, and make it a little bit better, to add more of a gamer element to it. So then it elevates the game, but it also has a really accessible endpoint for new gamers and for teaching, like for teachability purposes, that I really like that about card games. And I just like cards. So, yep, that's split. Yeah, sounds cool. And that's all for me for news. All right, let's move on to some games that we played. So, we played three games. We're going to talk about some games we've talked about before. Sorry, get over it. Um, that's what we're going to do. And let's just get started. So, the first game we're going to talk about is a game that uh, we've played twice, and Katie has a, a love-hate relationship with, I think. <laughs> and it's called Cleopatra and the Society of Architects. <sighs> so, we played this with our new hotness buddy, because he'd never play it, played it. This is not a new hotness game. It's no. old. And just got reprinted in some real fancy version, which we don't have. We, of course, have the but, old and busted version. Yeah. It still looks really nice, though, for being a, you know, an old game. And we've talked about this before. You're trying to build different um, things around Cleopatra's castle, maybe some sphinxes, some obelisks, her throne room, do some mosaics, the door frame, the walls, all that kind of thing. But you're trying not to get a bunch of corruption as you do that. So you're going to be doing that by playing different cards that meet the building requirements. Some cards are really good. They're going to give you some corruption. Um, and as you build items, you're going to be rolling these dice that are going to give you onk faces. And once all the dice have onk faces on it, you're going to do this bidding phase where you're trying to bid to get rid of corruption. And basically, the person with the most corruption at the end of the game gets fed to Cleopatra's alligator. So even if you had the most points, it doesn't matter because you're dead, you lose. So in this last game, Katie and I both got eaten by the alligator. We tied for corruption, and the alligator was fed pretty nicely that day. So, uh, yeah, that's Cleopatra. So how do you feel about it this second time you played it? Well, two points of clarification. I doubt Cleopatra lived in a castle. Oh, I uh, thought I said temple, but okay, temple, castle, same thing. Same thing. <laughs> that's not. Secondly, it's a crocodile, not an alligator in the Nile. Alligator, crocodile, same thing. They are not the same. They're two completely different animals. They they could both eat me. If I was trying to storm Cleopatra's castle, the crocodile could come and eat me. Castle. Yeah, <laughs> uh, I I, I kind of like this game. I actually enjoyed the gameplay a little bit better this, this time that we played it. However, I still got fed to the crocodiles. Um, and I honestly don't play a bunch of cards that get corruption. I... I so I don't understand how I always input the most corruption. And it's not by like a lot either. But in the bidding phases, like I don't want to get rid of my points um, or money or whatever. It's the same thing. So I hold on to it and I just bid kind of like lowish. And so I don't get rid of any of my um, 
corruption. Also, another way to get rid of corruption is through these like mosaic things, which are polyominoes that you have to maneuver on the top of this board. So I think that's also part of my problem. I can't get rid of corruption because I can't use these pieces to make the right shape to help me get rid of as much corruption as possible because I can't figure out the shapes. That's true. Did you, did you have any of those sanctuaries? No, I had none. Uh, I man, had, I had two and got rid of six, and I still got eaten by gosh, the Gosh, see, you totally would have eaten if I got a freaking <laughs> sanctuary. Um, yeah. The gameplay is cool. It's got, like, fun little pieces that... Also, probably, I like to build, like, the big showy ones because I want to put up, like, the fun pillars and the throne room. Um or the, the pedestal on the throne itself. Like, I like that kind of stuff. Um, and I had, like, far and away, like, a ton more points than everybody. But it didn't matter. Again. So I'm a little bit bitter about that. I can't fault the game. I just am not willing to part with enough coin early on to get rid of corruption, I guess. And I can't figure out <laughs> the sanctuaries. So, I mean, I'll, I'll definitely play it again. Um... And it's a fr- honestly, I think a fairly light game in some ways. It's yeah, it's pretty light with some good yeah. hand management stuff to it. But um, I can't seem to win this game for the life of me. Clearly, I can't. I didn't win it last time either, and I got eaten this time. So <laughs> yeah, I'm in. I'm in the same uh, the same moat as you. <laughs> <sighs> there is no castle, therefore there is no moat. <laughs> it is the freaking Nile around which Egypt's dynasty was built. The Temples of Mad King Ludwig. Oh That's gosh. what we're going to Stop go talking. Move on. Move uh, on. <laughs> all right. So the next game we played, I've actually played before with, with somebody and did a video review, but Katie never gotten to play it. So we had some friends over. They don't play a ton of heavier games. So I thought this one might be all right. And it's called On the Rocks. So this is a game where you're trying to fulfill drink orders. You're a bartender trying to fulfill drink orders. And the way you're doing that is by drafting marbles from one of these five cups, well, depending on the player count, three to five cups that are out in the center of the table, that you fill up Mancala style, which means you're going to drop a marble in a bowl, go around until you run out of marbles. And then when you're done with that, you're going to take one of the bowls, take the marbles, use them as ingredients, trying to fulfill your drinks. So each of the ingredients are going to have certain colors, they'll have certain points, value, and all that thing, and you're going to get tips as you complete. And you're trying to be the first player to complete all three of your drink orders. And a drink order contains three or four different drinks uh it's a it's a pretty lightweight game it has really nice production uh the production value is way better than the game is in my opinion the player board is top notch i really like it but it's a decent game and i thought our friends would dig it so that's why we busted it out so what did you think of on the rocks i really liked it actually and the production is awesome um so there's marbles that you get to handle which I really like. And it's super colorful. Like, it looks really neat. Um, you get that, like, bar atmosphere, and the drinks are all really pretty. Um, also, our friends, I feel like they're never going to listen to this, so they're big boozers. So I feel like they would like this game because of the theme. Um, <laughs> they're going to listen to this one you watch. They will not. Um, I didn't even say their names, so even if they did, they'd have to know that I was talking about them. I'm pretty um, sure they know what game they played. <laughs> I doubt it. Well, that's true. Maybe not. <laughs> uh, but I, I like this kind of contract fulfillment game um, with a few little, like, surprises thrown in where you can kind of, oh, I'm going to, you know, 
buy some drinks so I get some extra marbles and I can share some with somebody else. Or I'm going to force somebody to spill their drink and have to discard some of their marbles. And um, just like that delicate balance of getting what you want and and the mancala and what am I going to take and do I want a gold one? Um, would I rather have a wild? Like, how do I place those? I, I think it's fun. I like all the different moving parts. Um, it can be a little long. I wish there was a way to, like, like um, if it's my turn and I place all the marbles in different bowls, then I take my bowl, then everyone else takes a bowl, and they take their turn simultaneously. That's true. Yeah, that would be nice. I think that that would help it out, but maybe I just need to play it at a smaller player count than four people. Um, but it's like a nice casual game that you, there's enough to work out, but it's also fun. It doesn't require like super close concentration. Um, you can chat and talk or drink or whatever in between and, and still like play a pretty fulfilling game that's not like super light and like um, a party type game per se. So. I liked it. Yeah, it's a good game. Like, it's not my favorite game by any means, but I have played it at two, and it does solve some of the length problems. It's really fast at two. Mm. So I think I, I don't see any reason to play this at more than two. You get the same feel of it. There's less bowls that you're passing around, so that's the only difference. But, yeah, it's it's better at two, in my opinion. And it's, I, it's a fine game. I think three would be better because at two, all the, like, kind of attack-type cards are just oh, going that's to one true. person. That's true. It's just like a dueling game at that point. That's true. Mm -hmm. All right. So that is the second game. The third game is another game I think we've talked about. Maybe not. I don't know. It all runs together. But it's a new hotness target game, and it's called Summer Camp. So this is a a deck builder, an entry-level family weight deck builder from Philip Walker Harding. Uh, He's done tons of games, Baron Park, Artifacts, or yeah, whatever. You know, look them up. I'm not going to say them all because I'll miss them. <laughs> but he's done lots of games. They're all super like family-friendly, streamlined games that you can knock out pretty quickly. That's kind of his wheelhouse. And what you're doing in this is you are building a deck, trying to move your little figures up these three different tracks to try to get to the top to win the game. So it's kind of like a deck builder race game where you're trying to race everybody to the top to score merit badges to get the most points. There's a little more to it than that, but the cards are going to either be used for the action on the card or to spend them as energy, which is how you purchase new cards to get into your deck. The cards have point values, so um, even if you don't make it to the top of the tracks, you're going to miss out a lot of points. But if you buy enough cards, there could still be a possibility that you could win the game. Probably not, but it's a valid strategy to try. So um, this time we played with three different um, packs. We did outdoors, music, and arts and crafts or something. I I don't know. No, outdoors, arts and crafts, and camping, I think. Oh, yeah, 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 camping. Yeah, that's right, because it was the tent. Yeah. Yeah, and uh, it feels similar. I mean, it's still the same kind of game because you're still trying to move up the tracks, but some of the specific cards for the different packs do add a little bit of differences to the packs which makes it kind of nice so second playthrough of summer camp how do you feel about that um i really like it i really like it to show new people about deck building i like the whimsical nature of the cards and the art however the second time i felt like because you know how i like multiple paths to victory right i i felt like 
it was pretty clear, oh, these are the kinds of cards you should buy and these are the kind of cards you, you should avoid and this is what you should do in order to advance in the tracks the fastest. As opposed to what I really like about deck building is to explore different cards, find synergy amongst the cards in your deck. Um, and that wasn't quite the case, maybe because I had some quote-unquote expertise this time. However, I do feel like I worked my deck better and I got different cards to allow me to get rid of some cards and move through it. But I, I don't, I feel like it took away like the innocent joy of it for me this time, which is so stupid, but it's true. Like I, like I said, though, I, I wonder if you really, if you could just focus on buying cards, getting a bunch of points in your deck and not even moving on the tracks, I wonder if it's a viable option. I don't know. Maybe not ignore all the tracks. I think you'd have to move at least on one. Well, but, I don't even think it's like moving the tracks. Like you have to get at least like the participation badges and stuff because that's where like bigger points can come in. Yeah, that's true. You need you need to make it across the bridges. That's true. Yeah, I don't know. I I'm not I'm necessarily torn. so I'm not necessarily sold on it being only the one path, but that's definitely you know a seventy five percent of the. The path you should take <laughs> right but sure. i i do love the different packs with the different things um i can see that there are some that are absolutely going to be my favorite that i'm definitely going to want to pull out friendship every time friendship and... yep friendship school <laughs> i did kind of like arts and crafts i i made a lot of them i made a like a billion boondoggles <laughs> I can't Mac friendship macaroni races. jewelry was pretty sweet too yeah pottery <laughs> yeah that was a good one yeah, it's still it's still fun. It's it's cute. I, I I think it's worth having. Yeah, it's a solid game. And if you've never played a deck builder or you play with games with someone who's never played a deck builder, definitely play this one with them because it would introduce them. It would hook them in, and you know they'll probably be a gamer for the rest of their lives because of this game. Absolutely, it is the gateway drug of choice. <laughs> <laughs> all right, so that is all the games we played. Let's just move on. So those are the games we played, and now let's talk about our feature. It's September, and I love fall, and I'm trying not to rush ahead to Halloween because that's one of my favorite holidays and always has been because I love costumes. Um, but another thing that I really love also about Halloween is that everything is mysterious at Halloween. Um, all the movies and shows and things about a good mystery. And I love a good mystery. And fortunately, there are lots of games out there with that kind of mystery type theme where you solve a crime, where you figure out what happened. Now, we might get a little loose with our definition of mystery. But on this episode, we want to talk about our favorite mystery games. Now, right off top... I would put Consulting Detective on here, unlike every spot. But you all know how much I love Consulting Detective, how crazy You like I'm... that game? Uh, newsflash. I love that game. I don't <laughs> like that game. Uh, I talk about the game all the time. I have all the additions. I'm in the midst of the last uh, huge case on the Carlton House before I can get to the Baker Street Regulars. I have other games that are like that that I've been holding to take over once I'm done with it. I love Consulting Detective. Love it, love it, love it. So I did not put it on the list so I didn't have to talk about it again and Jason didn't have to go like, Consulting Detective, it's just reading. Blah, blah, blah. So you can <clears throat> all be spared from that. 
<laughs> oh man, you took that away from me. But know that that's my number one. And also, um, I'd be remiss if we didn't mention Clue is really kind of the originator for all this. Um, I love the movie. In fact, I want to watch it now just thinking about it. Um, but I played this, I played a version of Clue Jr. when I was a kid and very early got into Clue. I, I love that theme. I like everything about it. So nods to those two, which kind of inspired the rest of the games on this list. So now that I've said my piece, Jason, would you like to give us our first? Yes, yeah, so my list is going to be different, but that should come as no surprise to anybody. They're usually different. So this first game that I'm going to talk about is the newest game on my list, and I like it quite a bit. Um, yeah, and it's called Detective Club. So this is a game where you're using cards like in Dixit or Mysterium that have, they're just full picture cards. And what you're trying to do is you're trying to use these two cards, you're going to be playing two cards in a round, you're trying to use these cards to tell some kind of clue or story with these cards. The trick here is everyone around the table who's playing is going to know what word or story you're trying to tell, except for one person. So that person's trying to figure out by all the other cards that are being played what the word or what the, you know, the clue is. So you're trying to figure out if you know what the word is, you're trying to figure out the person that doesn't know the word and you're trying to guess who they are to score points. So the mystery here is who doesn't know the word? Like, I, I don't know if that's exactly where we were going with mystery, but that's kind of what I thought about with this list is trying to figure out who somebody is or something like that. So that's why I put Detective Club as my first one. This is a good game. Um, I think there's, even though, like, I wouldn't say you're solving mystery in the game, it definitely has that element of it. You have these little magnifying glasses. Um the box art lends to the idea of mystery, little notebooks to write your findings in. I'll give it to you. Cool. Because if you, <laughs> if I can't have that one, the rest of mine aren't going to work either. So. <laughs> <laughs> My first one is much more along the traditional lines of solving a mystery. And that game is Mystery of the Abbey. Mystery of the Abbey? Not Mystery of the Abbey, correct? Mystery of the Abbey, yeah. Okay. Um, this is done. Is this, is this Fiduti? No. Katala. No, it's it's Fiduti and Serge Legette, or however oh, he says Serge. his name. Okay, I was right about Fiduti. I can't believe I pulled it out of nowhere. Was this originally Days of Wonder? It is Days of Wonder, yeah. Oh it's my only, gosh. It's, it's never been reprinted, so it is Days of Wonder, yeah. Give, give me a lap around the room. People, I literally, <laughs> I, I pulled that out of my brain. Like, I pictured the box and what was on the box. I did not I look don't think this it, up. I don't think it was your brain. It was my brain. I didn't use the interwebs. I did not. Pulled it out of your butt. <laughs> no, because like I based it on facts. I pictured the box <laughs> in my head and I used the knowledge that is there. I just never know them. So that's the only one. I don't even know why I set the precedent because I won't figure it out for the rest of these. But I Way remember. You, you set the, the bar real high. <laughs> I know. Ooh, bad job. Um, Mr. The Abbey, it's like Clue and Guess Who had a baby to make this game. And if this game sounds good to you, I'm sorry. It has not been reprinted. It's way out of print. I don't know why someone hasn't picked this sucker up. Um, probably because they call monks fat in it. But it's <laughs> it's so yeah, it's uh, it's it's not politically correct the way they label those guys at all. <laughs> but it's a really good game. So you are trying to figure out who killed one of the your the monks at this monastery, and so you're moving around to different rooms, 
and you can ask questions of your fellow players. So unlike Clue, you're able to openly ask any question. They don't have to tell you the cards they have, um, the information they have in their cards, um, which is fine. You can ask about anything um, except for, do you have this particular monk? Like, that's the only thing you can't say. But since you're asking out loud and they're responding to you out loud, everyone else is hearing these clues. So you could potentially decide to take a vow of silence but if they do answer your question then they ha can ask you one back and there's also some additional cards that allow for events to happen um that allow you to kind of break traditional rules and take an extra turn um or or, or get some special information and then periodically mass is called and so everyone has to kind of get back together at a new starting point and then you, your car information cards move and you've got this kind of clue sheet that has all the different brothers um they're in their different monastic orders and then also like the rank they have and then your some have hoods some have no hoods some are fat some are skinny some have beards some have no beards and so you're using those things um to kind of deduce who is the murderer amongst this group of monks amongst this group of monks nice job it's a really good game i i love clue so much like i mentioned before and this just takes it to the next step it adds a much more gamer element to it um i just think the idea is cool that mass is called that events are happening um it's good if you ever find it in the wild snatch that sucker up because it is worth tons of money um my sister, sister-in-law, just got a copy off Shop Goodwill for, like, a sweet price. So if you like Clue, and also a lot of family members know how to play Clue. It's a classic game. This is a great way to kind of start pushing them into the hobby. Um, not that there's anything wrong with them. Just saying they don't like board games. But if they like Clue, they like a board game. So to get them into maybe some more of the signature hobby games... Uh, Mystery Abbey is a great start to that great gateway. So that's my first one. Yeah, this is, game is fantastic. Uh, as far as deduction games go, this one's up there for me. I like it a lot because I can actually win it, and that makes me feel a little bit better. Yeah. All right, so my next one that I want to talk about, we're going to go back. We're going to go back a couple years, and this one's going back <laughs> to 1990-something, about the time that Batman with Michael Keaton was popular. So 92, 3, 4, somewhere around there. And this game is called Batman Gotham City Mystery. Now, Gotham I, didn't, City. I didn't just pick this because it has mystery in the title. Okay? I didn't. That's why I picked my but, last one. <laughs> but the reason I picked it is because it's a all versus one game where one person's taking on the role of a different Batman villain. There's like 10 or something to choose from. It's like all the good ones, all the popular ones. And what you're trying to do, and everybody else is taking on a, a character in Batman. So there's Nightwing, Robin, Batgirl, and Batman. And what, what the good guys are trying to do is they're trying to capture the henchmen that the bad guy is controlling before the henchmen can gather up these 10 different items that they need to gather up from these different locations on the board to win. So they're basically trying to do a heist, and the good guys are trying to stop the heist. Now, the tricky thing is the villain can go and get red herrings which are basically empty boxes so if you capture that henchman they have to give you all their stuff they may have a bunch of empty boxes and that sucks it's a waste of time and it's annoying 
But <laughs> the cool thing with the good guys is when they capture some some items, there's this cool back computer that you're going to slide this little card into. And it's going to light up, not really light up, but it's going to show some, ye- some yellow lines. It doesn't light up, but it shows some yellow lines. And it's going to point those yellow lines at the villain that needs to collect that information to fulfill their heist. So as you capture more of their items, you're going to narrow down what villain the bad guy is. Or the, you know what villain the other player is, which is you know the deduction part. This game has terrible rules. Um, it's really hard to figure out. I don't know if we played it right, but it was still so much fun. And I was playing as the good guys, and Katie was the the villain. She ended up winning, I think, by like one or we won. I can't remember, but it came down to like the last turn, and it was it was good. Even though we might have played it incorrectly, it was solid. So, if you can find it and you want to maybe throw in some house rules to make the game kind of playable from interpreting the rules, definitely pick it up. It has minis. I think the board looks cool. The minis are nice, and it's it's an enjoyable game. So my second one, Batman Gotham City Mystery. Yeah, I love playing the bad guy in this one. Like I usually don't like a one versus all, but the fact that there's like those red herring pieces that you can get and they catch Annoying. you, you're like, oh no, don't get my backpack. And then I'm like, ha suckers. Like that's the best part. I laugh so hard every time. Every time, maniacal laugh. Every time. It was so annoying. It never got old. It never got old. It It did get old, in fact. It got really old, in fact. No, it was amazing. I loved it. I loved it. Just for that part, like, I could hardly remember the rest of the gameplay, but I love that part of it. I actually played it wrong. Or could... No, I didn't play it wrong. I just didn't figure out there was an easy way to know what I was supposed to do. Oh, yeah. Yeah, because you don't have to go to every location. The bad guys only have to go to certain locations. I I didn't realize that. Um... (laughs) So I probably could have won. I think I lost by like one because I was taking all this, like all the time in the world, but also having a great time um, giving them crap. So it's great. That's true. <laughs> so my next game is in some ways also similar to Mr. The Abbey Clue. It's that base of a game, but it's still kind of strange. And that game is called Awkward Guests. So in this game, you know the... Um, the victim already knew he was going to be murdered, so he rounded up all the likely suspects that were going to kill him to his house and um, then sent you to come there to figure out who did it. And it's it's a really strange kind of game where you're almost bidding for information. So you can ask about certain suspects. You can ask about certain rooms, um, certain types of weapons and then people will say okay i've got clues that add up to three because different kinds of clues have different value and in order to take those clues you have to exchange some of your own so information is getting exchanged like hotcakes but there's a lot more to figure out um there are uh in like different levels of difficulty so in more difficult games, the murderer has an accomplice. So then you've got to figure out like which people are lying through deduction. Um, it's kind of a complex game, but I love that about it because it's like, it's like this clue on steroids. It's absolutely the gamer version of that. Like it is so thinky. Um, it's really pushing the limits of deduction of what do you want to know? Like, And new cards are kind of coming out all the time, so it's not like all the information is perfect and present at the beginning of the game. And it has this really cool, I don't know how they do it, I have the app, 
um, where it randomizes all the cards. And so if you say, hey, I want a game at this difficulty level, it says, okay, pull out cards one through six. And then it goes gives you all the numbers of cards and you put them in a stack and shuffle them and pass them out. And then you have a stack of clues for the game. It's crazy town, uh, but it's super good and like thinky, um, but still kind of still fun. Uh, so awkward guess. I love the mystery in that. Yeah, I like this game. I don't like it as much as Mystery of the Abbey, only because I'm terrible at this one. I can't figure it out for anything. But I like the card play, and that card system is ingenious. I don't know how there's not more games that have done what that game does, because it's really cool. Yeah. All right, so my last one. We're going to stay back in the 90s. (laughs) And um, I'm going to talk about Clue. But not just any Clue. I'm going to talk about Clue... The Great Museum Caper. So this is another game where everybody versus one person. And the one person is trying to steal different paintings from this museum. And they're trying to get out without being captured by the other players. And the way that this game works is you're going to be rolling a die. The good guys are going to be rolling a die. It's going to give them some kind of ability that they can do. And they can move like one to three spaces or something. And you're trying to ask questions to figure out where... The other player is by using cameras, by using, um, there's a little like electronic computer that scans the whole entire building or something. And you're just trying to, f- to pinpoint where the, the person is so you can corner them and capture them before they get out. If they can get out with, I think, three or four of the different amount of paintings, they win. And if the good guys capture the thief, the thief, or, uh, the good guys win, um, the gameplay is pretty like a good guy will go, the thief will go, the good people will go, the thief will go. So it's just back and forth. And it, it's a really good game. It plays nothing like Clue. I mean, it's Clue in name only, effectively. But man, I like it. I'm not, I didn't think I was a, a huge fan of these one versus all games. And we played one recently that I didn't love. But I really do like Clue, the Great Museum Caper. I think it. Is fun and I don't know. It's just it's just a good time to me. So my third one, Clue, Great Museum Caper. I feel like in a lot of ways, mind management was like this game. Yeah, I don't know something. It just it felt clunkier to me. I don't know why. I don't know why. I don't know why it, either. I think it was because it, it was late and your brain wasn't working. I don't know. No, I don't know. It just I don't know. I feel like I had mind management did that thing where it turns into a strictly cooperative game, and I know that this one is the same thing. But I felt like on my turn, I got to do my own thing. Like, I could roll the die. I could take my own actions. It felt, it just felt more satisfying in Clue than it did to me in my management. You can take your own actions by management. We just kind of worked together and did it ourselves. I, I'm, I'm not saying it's logical what I'm saying. I'm just <laughs> okay, saying that, that, it's that's not, how it felt So I just want to make sure you understand yeah. it's completely illogical. I understand. Um, I just like Clue better than the my management one. Okay. I, this game wasn't bad. I don't, I don't mind it um it it is dated for sure but i I think the thing with like the cameras and stuff is pretty cool um but since there's no deduction piece with this one it for me this game is harder because i'm i have a harder time following the movements so that's why that's difficult for me i mean there is deduction it's just hidden like in mind management it's the same kind of deal no it's not you're trying to figure out by asking questions where they've moved to and stuff. So you're deducing the locations and stuff. But I'm talking about like the where they the different spaces they can use to recruit people in my management. That's oh, the right, deduction right. piece. I, I got you. Uh-huh. 
Okay, so my last one is the one that's a bit of a stretch. Everything else pretty straightforward. Let's solve a mystery together, a la Scooby-Doo kind of thing. One of my favorite television shows, by the way. Especially the ones that had, like, the stars from, like, the 70s. Like Batman and Robin and Sydney and Cher. Anyway, so my last one is Mask of the Red Death. Now, is there a mystery to solve? No, death is going to show up at midnight. But what rooms? What What's going to be safe? What time? Where is he going to be and when? You got to find out Death's dance card. And it's really hard. And you do it by moving about these rooms and like playing these, I don't want to say arbitrary cards, but you're like, I'm going to flirt and see what I can get out of you. And then, okay, well, I'm just going to try to increase my reputation by gossiping. And it's just, um, and the artwork is deeply gorgeous. This nice, creepy Edward Gorey. You know, it's based on the Edgar Allan Poe short story. I love all those things going on there. The kind of macabre theme and the mystery of where is death going to be at each strike of the hour. Or not the hour, but um, every five minutes, I believe. What rooms are safe and can I get there? And for me, like, that is such a big mystery how do I solve that and then execute it yes it's programming um but that like juggling of information and deduction kind of thing oh yeah good stuff um so my last pick is Mask of the Red Death yeah it's a good one I didn't pick this because you picked it but yeah this is a good one so what about you do you love a good mystery are you a Scooby-Doo fan I think I love mystery so much because I grew up around it all the time. My mom was a big like crime show kind of um, fan. So I watched Magnum P.I. a lot. I watched Remington Steel. I watched Macmillan and Wife. Um, I watched a lot of movies about solving crimes. And then I started reading books about solving crimes. And then I started playing board games <laughs> about solving crimes. Uh, although Clue Jr. was f- figuring out where the missing pet was, I think, is the one that I had. But um, I, there's just something about a good mystery. Is it the same for you? Tell us. Find us on Facebook. Definitely our Facebook group, hashtag The Riveted. Great place to talk about games. I'd love to hear, oh my goodness, what I love to hear about your favorite mystery games. Because I love mysteries so much. Yes. Now, there are some that I haven't played. Um, I have yet to play Detective. That is on my shelf, and I really, really desperately want to try it. I've played Chronicles of Crime. Not impressed. I got to be honest. It was too easy, and I don't know if I played it wrong. Um, I played even the new one of the new ones. And uh, after, like, a couple turns, I'm like, well, I got it solved, but we can't end the case here. So uh, I, I, I don't know. I don't know. And, like, that's not me just tooting my own horn. So uh, if you like Crown of Crime, tell me why. And maybe I need to persevere in that. Um, post pictures of your favorite mystery games on our Instagram. Or um, send out a tweet saying, hey, I love mystery games. Hashtag the riveted. Hashtag this game is the best. Whatever. I don't know. Hashtag if it wasn't for you pesky kids and your dog. Or comment on our YouTube videos. Um, we're always adding new videos, so make sure you got notifications ready. There's a little bell that you can press that'll send you and say, hey, Board Game Mechanics has uploaded a new video. Although Jason does a pretty good job of trying to put that out there on our social media accounts. Um, our newest video is going to be about Shelfie Stacker. So if you're interested in that game, 
look for that. And I'm actually in that video. Watch out. So hey, yo. I know I'm still here. I got different colored hair kind of. So that's a new one. <laughs> and uh, as always, check out our friends over at the Board Game Rundown. They've been doing cool interviews with some up and coming publishers and designers. Um, different topics, sport game related content. They're good dudes and they have a pretty good show. And they also and like different games from than we do. Like they true. play a lot more like dudes on a map games or direct conflict games. Um, things that we're just not going to cover and more power to them. So yeah, check those dudes out if you like those kind of games too. For sure. I totally agree with all that. I think that's it. I think that's a show. Yeah, I feel good about it. Well, I mean, I feel about it. I don't know if I feel good about it, but... <laughs> pretty okay about it and i feel like that's a pretty uh, good start (laughs) yep all right well i've been katie and i'm jason keep gaming everybody keep gaming mentioned like vincent price like he's like the ultimate mystery could we put like a a little sound clip of him his laugh you know